You're listening to Black People Go to Therapy 2, a podcast about people of color and their experiences in therapy. Don't forget to subscribe and spread the word that we're now available in all major podcast platforms, including Apple, Google, and Spotify. Now let's begin our session. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Black People Go to Therapy 2. I am very honored to have our our latest guest named Nina on the line. We are, again, practicing social distancing. So we are coming to you using Skype and hoping for the best recording. (laughs) So bear with us. But um, Nina, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah. Um, thank you for having me, DJ. I really do appreciate yeah. this. And I'm also honored, too, because like I said before, I haven't done a podcast in so long. Mm-hmm. Um, well, again, my name is Nina. I'm cisgender, heterosexual, and my pronouns are she, her, and hers. I'm originally from the south side of Chicago. Um, and me and DJ had taken classes together. And so that's how I am here. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I mean, you've been somebody that I've wanted to have on the the podcast. Not only are you a black person, a black woman who's sought out therapy, but you are a black therapist. And so I think it's even more important because you have so much more insight to give and like both your experiences in therapy are going to be a little bit different since you are also like yeah. a practicing therapist too. But um, before we get into that, uh, do you mind telling me a little bit about growing up in Chicago? What, what was that like for you? So we can learn a little bit about you yeah so um i'm originally from inglewood and mm-hmm. born and raised and then eventually moved from that area to another part of a hood <laughs> i'm not going to mention the name but it was mm-hmm. like back in the day it was really like um we couldn't go outside because sometimes they have like shootings going on and then, then like mm-hmm. you know like when it came to like different holidays, like for New Year's instance, we definitely had to stay away from the windows. I don't know mm-hmm. if some people know of like um, when your mama or your grandma tell you, don't go by the window, stay away mm-hmm. from the windows, like, don't get shot. Uh, mm-hmm. That was my life growing up. And then eventually moved from that area to another area of Chicago because my house burned down. Um, oh, I didn't even yeah. know that about it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then. We had to find a new home, um, and then was finally, finally when that got settled, mm-hmm. I was in a process of going to um, figure out what high school I was going to attend at the moment, and then mm-hmm. had that sought out, and then, um, yeah, after that, I ended up going, moving up yonder, mm-hmm. <laughs> up north, <laughs> up north, <laughs> up north, and then... Um, yeah, it was like a culture shock too because I'm so I was so used to being around like, you know, majority of African American people, mm-hmm. and so to go from that area to uh, um, up north where it was like majority white, it was mm-hmm. so like uh, yeah, it was very much so a culture shock. 
Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to transfer from the school. I wasn't like really feeling it because I didn't feel like I fit in. And I mm-hmm. never been asked from anyone I was like out south with. I never been asked, have I ever got shot? Really? And this was asked, yeah, this was asked when I was in college. Like, I was just so in shock that somebody was asking me that. I'm like, what? Have I ever been so- shot? Is it because they hear Southside Chicago is where you're from? So they're like, oh, have you been shot before? Yes, yes. And they was just so like, oh, my God. So it it was kind of weird. Like, oh, tell me about the Southside Chicago. Like, um, Mm -hmm. have you been shot? Like, is there games and things like that? And I felt like they was looking at me like I was the voice of the Southside. And I'm looking at them like, um, hell no. What? Yeah, also, like, this ain't no game. <laughs> like, right. if I had been shot, like, why would I want to recount this trauma with someone I don't even know who seems exactly. like they just want to hear the story, not care exactly. for me? Exactly. I felt so isolated because during mm-hmm. that uh, time, like, everyone had their specific uh, group in the classroom. And mm-hmm. like I said, I was, I was actually the only African-American person in the classroom. So, like, mm-hmm. everyone who were friends or they became friends, they would go out and do things outside the classroom and they're never, they would never invite me. And so I really did feel like I wasn't a part of the group. I felt mm-hmm. so that was Like really- kind of like ripped away from where you were originally, which yeah, yeah, maybe it was less risk and you felt more safe, but, and you know, also feeling like you were on the outside and that people didn't really just like embrace you from that. Yeah, it was very different. Um, I was I felt so alone in that mm-hmm. in that end of my college career, and I didn't feel like I fit in. I was like legit, like I wanted my independence, but mm-hmm. at the same time, I was legit. I was like maybe I should go to a different school because I can't. I didn't like feeling not being a part of anything. Like I all like in high school and everything, I was always a part of something. Like I was just different conversations. Mm-hmm. I was always that girl that. I always wanted to like hang out with everybody and everybody loved me and some people hate on me, but you know, that's, a, that's another different story. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I've always, I've always been like a kind sweetheart. And so mm-hmm. having that personality or those characteristics and not feel like you accept it in a group mm-hmm. makes you feel so like, wow, this is what other people feel. Or this is how a, another mm-hmm. demographic of uh, race feel about me mm-hmm. being African-American woman or whatever it was just really mm-hmm. like i don't know it was kind of scary too yeah going from a community where you didn't really have to speak for yourself or, or in the sense of like you didn't have to like let people know like who you are and you're just accepted within the community to all of a sudden going to one where you're kind of like this caricature of the south side like oh my gosh have you experienced violence like oh what has it been like like yeah, that's exactly. not important to my story like do you want to get to know me (laughs) like or are you just interested in like these these trauma stories exactly oh it got worse too because Mm. that was the first time i was ever called the n-word up there up there really it was yes it was a group of white guys they was in a car i was walking with my friend at the time and they yelled out the car windows down it was really hot that day i remember and they was like you in you in go back where you came from and now I, that was my first time ever experiencing that. I've heard about mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. Through, through like stories from like my grandmother in the past, my grandfather passed, but actually mm-hmm. being in that experience was so like traumatic for me. Mm-hmm. 
And that's jarring for me to hear. Like, I'm from Southern Illinois. So that's been a word I've heard thrown around my whole life. Not, I mean, not every day, of course. Not like, you know, our grandparents probably experienced. But that's been a word where, like, I would not be surprised if I was driving down the street and saw somebody with a Confederate flag, you know, um, back window or with a Confederate flag, like, on their car or someone, you know, throwing the N-word out the, out the window. Um, but for me, also, moving to the city, I would just expect that, like, no, it's a liberal city. You know, they they're not gonna do that. They don't do that in the city. But wow, I I can't believe that's something that you experienced too, like directly. Yeah. yeah, it was very like traumatic and scary because at that point I was already paranoid going to school anyway. Mm-hmm. So like it, it was like a foreign place to me. And then to actually experience that moment, I was just like, oh my goodness! Like I need to like figure out if I'm going to stay here. I don't want to be around people mm-hmm. that's hating me just yeah. because of my skin color. Like what the hell? it's one it's one thing to feel different but it's another thing to feel different and unsafe and like you don't have that like support system there too so i imagine that that informed kind of your journey to seeking out therapy so do you mind telling us like what are some of the reasons if not what you mentioned you know that you initially sought out therapy for yourself yeah so um i think it got to a point it all started in undergrad because mm-hmm. I transitioned from high school and then transitioned to a place that was super foreign to me because of, like, the people I was around, uh, feeling out of being accepted, and then I didn't really have the support I had back home, like, I really mm-hmm. wish I had. And so um, that was, like, the reasons why I did go to, to therapy, because mm-hmm. there was a, um, in particular, there was a member of my family where we was, like, bumping heads so much, and then mm-hmm. it was causing me pain and, like, I was a little bit emotional. No, I was a lot. It was a lot of emotion mm-hmm. coming out of that relationship. Um, <laughs> and I needed to talk to somebody. It had got to a point where um, even like the people around me, I don't know if it was like a thing that was a thing that was happening with me. It was just like a lot of the relationships mm-hmm. in my life was either like, what I want to say, like, I don't know, it was, it was deteriorating. My friends, mm-hmm. even my friends that I thought was my real friends, and mm-hmm. then it got to a point where I got super depressed. I didn't even know what that felt like until mm-hmm. now looking back on it, I was le- legit depressed. I didn't like, mm-hmm. and through it all, I didn't, I can't even like tell you how much, I still kept up with school through mm-hmm. all that. It was just so like unbelievable how I still maintained like A's and B's and still was feeling like these symptoms of depression. Um, mm-hmm. and it was so bad because it was it was the depression and I was so stressed out because I wasn't financially able to take care of myself and so I had mm-hmm. to do uh, found ways to like take care of my phone bill, mm-hmm. put food in the house when I was in um on campus or whatever and then it was these people that I called my friend was my friend they called one of the person that called me said I was racist because I called her my wife friend and I was like <laughs> what, what? <laughs> you probably okay. Friend. Like, okay. do you know? Do you know what racism is? Because oh, you, you know it's impossible <laughs> for but me. Was yeah, but the gag was it was another person who was a person of color who told this person that was white that mm. what I said was racist to her. It was just a lot of drama, and I had felt like because at the point I considered her like a best friend, and hearing that from her because I don't care if you white, yellow, pink, blue, whatever. 
uh, sexual orientation <laughs> you are. If I love you, I love you. You're my friend. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I went to therapy because I was just like, I'm stressed out to the point where I, I have I didn't have a period for like three months. Mm-hmm. It was that bad. Wow. So your body was just like responding to like that level of just anxiety, stress, depression. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And then I had, like I said, a family member that I was bumping heads with and I love hard. So like to feel like you're back up against the wall and you trying to explain yourself and trying to show that you love them. Uh, It it was just very hurtful. And so that's when I like went to, I, I forget who recommended it. It was someone, uh-huh. maybe like uh, one of my counselors or something like that at school. And then they just recommended, maybe you should go seek um, therapy. They have like the office for students. And I think in that time, at that time, it was like student, um, students who were uh, practicing and trying to get in the field and to um, get their license and everything. So it was an intern. Uh-huh. I think okay. my therapist was an intern. And uh-huh. so I went there. I just laid it out on the table. And, it, and then I didn't even care if the person was white or black. Uh-huh. I just help because that's how desperate I was yeah I just needed some help yeah and before we even get into like like how did you find your therapist and finding that therapist and what that was like what are some of the stigmas or misconceptions that you feel like you had about therapy or did you have any and like were these perpetuated by like friends family culture any of that stuff like were you thinking therapy wasn't for you before so I've always had um like my family members, like especially like the older generation of my family, you don't tell nobody your business. You keep your business <laughs> to yourself. You mm-hmm. don't tell people what's going on in your household, and if you did, you're getting in trouble because you don't go around telling my business. <laughs> That's what I heard growing up. Yes. So, <laughs> I was like, bump that. I need to talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. You don't know if I'm telling their business or not because I'm away at school. So and, that's inf- informed consent and confidentiality. So y'all ain't <laughs> <Exactly>. gonna know. <laughs> exactly. And so that's when I was like, um, yeah, I need help. Help me, please. And when I went in, I don't know. I just remember I was able to, like, vent a lot, especially, mm-hmm. like, I didn't want to put a, be a burden on my friends that, was mm-hmm. re- that I was really close with because I'm like, it's only so much you can tell them because, hell, we all was going through shit during that yeah. time. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, I can't. I need somebody that's a professional and that don't, that's not biased towards mm-hmm. anything, whatever. So I went there, talked about all the things I was going through. Um, I think I talked more so about the family member than I did about the friend. Mm-hmm. Because I was only given three sessions. So I took those three sessions and talked about you. the family mm-hmm. member. That was like, you know, it was hard to like, I guess, um, keep the relationship mm-hmm. healthy, a healthy relationship with them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And after those three sessions, like, did you feel like that was enough? I'm guessing no, but like no, after the three sessions, were you able to like find a therapist or did you have to kind of wait? Were you put on hold? Did you graduate before you found a new one? So um, I, if I can recollect, I think I just like took those three and just was like, okay, that was good or whatever. And I, I eventually got into a good space. And so mm-hmm. um, I did, because I worked in an office where, there were like different um, counseling uh, counseling sessions available, so I uh-huh. took on those things when I got to that point. I think after that, because it was like what sophomore year when I had the that whole situation that happened, and then uh-huh. eventually, like, I think I think around the, the end of my junior year to senior, that's when I started seeking therapy with the um, 
the department I was working with at the gotcha. time. Now we get therapy. And is your current therapist the therapy, or sorry, is your current therapist the therapist that you met then, or is your current therapist someone different? Uh, my current therapist is someone different. Um, huh? I actually have my therapist too. <laughs> like she reminds me of like somebody, like somebody, like a, a auntie to me. Like I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just feel like I need that anyway because for one, mm-hmm. I'm really like I would say I'm really strong and I can be very emotional, but I need somebody mm-hmm. that's gonna kind of relate because I come, I'm like an old lady too. So <laughs> <laughs> like grow, I grew up around a lot of old people, so a lot mm-hmm. of things that I might say is. And I'm, and I can sound country too. So, and it's because of my upbringing. I grew up around <laughs> a lot of old people. So, my therapist it, is a little uh-huh. bit country, and I enjoy. <laughs> uh-huh. And I wonder if, like you said, you know, you grew up around a lot of like older people. Is that what you were kind of looking for when you found this therapist? Do you or did you not know what you was truly looking for? You just happened happen to get lucky. I was actually um, referred by my mentor, and she's not even older though, but she had. Huh? She is she's so much relatable. And so I think that's why I was like, Yeah, I think this is a great fit because mm-hmm. she gives me the auntie vibe. She gives me like, All right now. I was like, You right. Mm-hmm. You right. I need that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And that and there's something just so nurturing. I, I think just about like black women in our community in general, just like y'all shoulder so much pain and so much of like what the community is going through y'all raise these men you raise these young girls and i think there's just such a strength in the therapy that like black women are able to provide especially for like black people like when i was looking for therapy i i didn't want to go to a black woman for the sense i'm just like i don't want to be complaining to like yet another black woman about my issues um i actually went to like a black man and it was just specifically, it's not even in general. I didn't find what I was looking for. And I was looking for like that nurturing, but I was also looking for that person that can like hold me accountable in a loving way, which I found in my like more recent therapist who is a black woman. So I get it there. Like, yes, auntie vibes. And that person who's like (laughs) going to tell you that I believe in you, but also like, who's going to get you together when you need it. Yeah. (laughs) Now, I don't mind a good old uncle, too, because they get you right together, too. Like, especially, I remember, like, this one professor I had in um, grad school. He get, he was so much like an uncle to me. And then still mm-hmm. straightforward, tell you like it is. And I just think that, in general, people need that because a lot of people in society are very hypersensitive. And mm-hmm. so, like, it's hard sometimes to, like, face the truth. But in order to face the truth, we need to sit in it, process it face mm-hmm. it and then move forward like that's yeah. how I go about life honestly mm-hmm. I need that yeah for sure and in terms of your experiences in therapy let's first talk about what are a few of the good outcomes of therapy that you've experienced um some good outcomes of therapy well support for sure especially mm-hmm. if I don't feel supported around me and that's including friends at the time or like family mm-hmm. members um someone that I know that will listen to me because a lot of people can talk and they can hear you but if they're not listening they're not really like you know you can tell when somebody's not listening to you especially uh-huh. not giving the feedback that's supposed to be given after you hear somebody or listen to someone um uh-huh. I don't know I just think it's more so of like it helps you like 
because a lot of people don't have that ear. A lot of people aren't able to understand you sometimes, depending on what mm-hmm. or who the person is. You want someone that's going to be able to understand you, see where you're coming from, help you process it. And honestly, mm-hmm. a lot of people just need somebody just to listen to them. And yeah. you can find your own way eventually. Yeah, holding that space and time is so yeah. important for people who who feel like, yeah, that they aren't being heard in their everyday life, even if they are surrounded by people. Um, it's that moment that you can just have with you and that other person, safe place to say whatever you want, you know, and to also feel like the reason that you're both here is to help you. Um, and that just feels overall good, too. Yep, and then, too, allowing you to um, be in charge of your own journey. Mm-hmm. That's what another huge benefit of therapy. You be in charge of your own journey. No one's telling you what you should do, what you shouldn't be doing, but to give you the opportunity to um, gather that on your own, which is super important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what would you say, uh, on the other hand, are some of the challenges of therapy? Like, what were some of the things that were difficult for you when you first started therapy or like as you've been in therapy? Yeah. Um, so I did before I um, became well, before I had my current therapist, there was a therapist mm-hmm. prior to um, her. And I didn't feel like she was listening to me. She listened to me, but she was too, mm-hmm. I was always getting cut off. And I was like, wait mm-hmm. a minute, let me finish my thought first. <laughs> and then, mm-hmm. <laughs> like she would talk over me and I didn't like that. And I had mm-hmm. to tell her, I said, I'm not able to like finish what I'm saying because mm-hmm. you tend to like talk over me or like cut me off and I'm like trying to finish my thought and I'm already forgetful. Mm-hmm. I don't need to be like cut off or what I'm trying to say or think, you know, talk about what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. That was like a real like uh, negative thing that I experienced in um, therapy. Um, mm-hmm. What else? I was also I don't know. I think for me, especially with my my practicing background, like I've mm-hmm. I know people probably gonna like shade me, but you know I ain't gonna say it. No, I ain't gonna say it. I ain't gonna say it. <laughs> what? Well, but, is it? Huh. Go ahead. If if you feel like I don't think anybody's gonna shade you, but if you feel like yes, I'm comfortable saying it. If you feel like no, then you don't have to say it. But <laughs> oh, I was just gonna say like the modality that I practice allows mm-hmm. as a therapist to listen to the client more so intensely. And mm-hmm. so I what I've been practicing what the what my uh, ex therapist was you know practicing, even though she had like 30 years in the game. It seems mm-hmm. as though that she missed that part of like actually listening mm-hmm. and like letting me get everything I needed out so that when it was time for her to respond, then it would be your time. But I didn't mm-hmm. feel like it was my time a lot of times in the in the session. And I didn't like yeah. that. And that's why I was like, Yeah, I need to go find somebody else. Yeah, and I, f- I feel like that is something you hear a lot of people experience, especially people of color. It's that like the therapist is jumping in and trying to like give feedback or provide an intervention before really allowing that person to hold the space and to finish what they're saying and to sit with that too. Like it's so it's so important for you to all not only be able to finish your thought process, but for you to sometimes sit with that and to think about it and for you to decide whether or not you want to continue. Um, and it, and it, it sucks when you like 
for whatever other word I can find. Like, it sucks when you have someone who sounds like they're just waiting for the right moment to pounce and give some feedback and give some advice. Yeah, and I think it could have been, too, the differences in race because Mm -hmm. she she wasn't a person of color. And, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes how people, sometimes people can feel like I need to be able to show up for mm-hmm. the person, but not really actually showing up because they mm-hmm. don't much. Just sit back and relax and let, let me talk. Mm-hmm. That's all I want. Yeah, and storytelling is so big in our culture anyway. Like we tell, yeah. we weave stories and we tell stories. Like that is the way that we connect and express and communicate. So like you can't get in the middle of my storytelling process <laughs> because you're gonna throw me off. <laughs> I can I do not have the liberty to be like very succinct or like short with what I'm explaining because like that's just not how I express myself. <laughs> yes. And I swear I feel like that every time I see my therapist, I, say, I feel like I always have a story. I need a dog on a sitcom or a series or something. It's always a story with me. <laughs> but yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying. Like that our background consists of telling stories and I'm damn sure gonna have a story. So I need you to listen and then we can get to a point where it's time for us to like reflect and do whatever. So yeah, and I mean that leads us right into this is a unique part for you since you are a therapist who has been in therapy and is in therapy. But this is the part where I like to say, what are your therapist do's and your therapist don'ts? Kind of like a direct message to therapists who are maybe listening, but also people who maybe have a therapist but don't know how to communicate it. So what would you say? therapist do's are therapists should do xyz whatever you think um a therapist do to consist of um like i I said listening is a big thing and do that listen to your client listen to everything they have to say um and even uh, a lot of times too like some therapists include myself have been in the space where silence was awkward Mm-hmm. It's honestly okay to have those like moments of silence because the client mm-hmm. is processing and just like sitting in whatever it is that the thought was, and you want them to take their time to like sit in that. Mm-hmm. And so, being a therapist and allowing that to happen, it can be so much like a, a good intervention, in my opinion, mm-hmm. because you allow them to think about what's going on with whatever situation they got going on. So, mm-hmm. that's a deep for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Being very supportive and not having your own agenda with your client. Because mm-hmm. with that, what I'm saying is like, um, sometimes you have therapists that want you to do what they feel is right for you. And mm-hmm. it's not their, that's not their job. That's not, that's not what you're supposed to be doing <laughs> as a therapist. You can't have yeah. agendas for your clients to do certain things. And it's not, especially if it's not the, the, the um, angle that they're trying to go anyway. Like mm-hmm. you shouldn't have, want your therapist no, a therapist should want their client to do something just because they feel it's right. Your client is supposed to have that space to figure out what's right for them. Because at mm-hmm. the end of the day, you don't want to be resented as a therapist. You don't want to get a lawsuit. You don't want to get, <laughs> um, you don't want none of that. You want to avoid all those yeah. problems. 100%. You, you yeah. really want to avoid your clients being like, well, you told me to do this. It's like, exactly. Oops. 
Yeah. So you, if a client <laughs> is able to like lead themselves there and then say it doesn't work out, they can at least say, you know what? I made this decision. It didn't work out. I'm glad I had that power. Now I also have the power to make another decision and to ask for support and for help. But yeah. I'm not asking for advice. I'm not telling you, asking you to tell me what to do. I'm just asking you to give me feedback, <laughs> you to like listen to me. And exactly. yeah maybe give me options, but like, that doesn't mean tell me you should do X, Y, Z. Um, that's, that's not what people are looking for. Exactly. I mean, some people are looking for that. And I think yeah. <laughs> clients need to realize True. True. You, can't have, you can't be dependent on your therapist to make decisions for you because that's not, that's not good. You have yeah. to be the one to make those tough decisions because this is your life at the end of the day, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes, your life, your journey, your work that you're putting in, the therapist's just there, you know, as a guide. I like like calling myself as like, I'm just a passenger. Like you're driving, I'm a passenger. I might point out a landmark that you you <laughs> drove right by real quick that I might say, Hold on, hold on, let's let's go back and look at this. Like let's right. see if there's anything there. But like other than that, if you say no, then I'm saying, Cool, keep driving, like keep going in this right. direction. But I'm gonna keep calling out these landmarks just to see if there's something there. But it is completely up to you to stay behind the wheel and to feel like you have that and to like show that you have that control. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I agree and in terms that. of the the don'ts, what are our therapists don'ts? Don't. I think I mixed them up actually. So I said yeah. don't. Well, well, I mean, there you said the do's, but there are don'ts mixed in there. But if there are any okay. specifics like therapists should not do X Y Z, you can you can say okay. that too. Let me see. Hmm. But don't sleep with the client. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so many ther- therapists know that. I, I hope y'all are reading up on your ethics, and I hope clients are not going to therapy hoping, hoping for that. <laughs> exactly. I don't care how bad they are. I'm just kidding, but that's real though. That's real. Um, what do I want to say? Well, I would say I'm a, I'm so for as a therapist, like I. When it comes to medicine, like medicine is like a thing that shouldn't be just prescribed or like referred to a psychiatrist to get, you know, medicine for your clients. Sometimes your clients may need to really evaluate to figure out if there's something that is needed. I don't feel as though a therapist should continue to prescribe medicine or not prescribe, I keep saying prescribe, prefer them to a psychiatrist mm-hmm. to give drugs for their mental illness or their mental condition or what have you, because a lot of times, sometimes they don't need medicine. It's just mm-hmm. someone, you know, to, like, talk, someone they can have to talk to about what's mm-hmm. going on with them. Because a lot of symptoms are developed through experiences in life. And some mm-hmm. are hereditary, but it's just, like, I don't know. I just, the medicine is a thing that I'm still trying to get, get you know, wrap my head around. Because I don't Yeah. Really want to, I, yeah, I don't know. It's just, uh, medicine is something else. Yeah. All types of stuff. Mm, I think that's important too. Like, I do not believe that therapists should push that their clients go get prescribed medication. Um, 
I might say that, like, sure, if you're thinking about seeing a psychiatrist, maybe go see what that's all about. But I, as me as a therapist, like, I cannot say what medicine you need. I cannot say what medicine you don't need. And I prefer to, to not, I prefer to be the person who's there to provide you with a tool set, with the skills. Um, if you want to go talk to a psychiatrist or if you want referrals, sure, I can get that information for you. But, like, yeah, I'm very much, like, I, I feel like, I feel sad sometimes when people think that, oh, I just need to see a psychiatrist and that will fix my problems because yeah. medicine takes so long to work and then medicine sometimes doesn't work. And it's all about having the skills and the tools to help kind of marry the two. Like if you're going to uh, be on uh, medication, like maybe also build on those skills that you have internally so that when the medicine isn't working, when you can't get that prescription refilled, when you're in between medicines, you at least have something things to help soothe you, to help you get you through, you know, until you can right. get it again too. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Like I said, that medicine stuff, I don't too much agree with unless they feel like client feels <laughs> so that there's something they need to go and, and do on their own for their own sake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love letting clients know. I'm like, I'm sorry. I, I'm not a psychiatrist. So I right. <laughs> would not know. I would not know the side effects of that. Like, I don't and, wear that hat. I don't wear yeah. that hat. <laughs> and I do not want to be that professional either. So, like, I can yeah. give much information as I know, which won't be much. And I can point you in the right direction. And you can educate me about it. You can let me know what you think, you know, are the best next okay. steps to. Um, what would you say is one of the most important things you've learned or taken away from therapy? Um, what have I learned? Ethan, what have I taken away from therapy? Yeah, either one of the most important things you think you've learned from having therapy or that you've kind of taken away from therapy um, for yourself that you're just like, oh, yeah, without therapy, I wouldn't have had this, um, whether it's a skill, whether it's something you mm-hmm. learned about yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, I for, and for me, I know that I can be a scatterbrain. Like, I have so many thoughts. And I have like all types of like things that I'm thinking about all at one time because I'm so busy and I got so much stuff going on. And mm-hmm. so like have therapy as a self-care, that's, I need that. Like I need my self-care. And plus we deal with clients all day and when we are in internships and like we're eventually going to start getting out there in the field for real, for real. You need to process all this stuff that you're taking in because a lot of things that these clients are talking about are sometimes a lot more traumatic than others. And mm-hmm. you need someone you can consult with and neither, not, not even just consult with, but like to process these things too, because you don't yeah. want to go home and take these things home. You don't want to start like, what's the word? Um, counter transferring. Um, yeah. and also too, trying to be super, superwoman or Superman or whatever, kind <laughs> of like save your client. Mm-hmm. Like, they have so, to say in the day, you know. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And what I what I hear from that, like one of the most important things you've learned or taken away from therapy is that also this is your space and this is your time that you need, you know, throughout all walks of life. Whether you are out in the field or as a student, you've learned that like this is space that you need to have in order to, you know, practice self-care. Exactly. Self-care is important, okay? Because mm-hmm. you need that time to yourself to like recuperate and gather everything because a lot of times, like a lot of people are going through a lot of stuff. So it just making sure as a therapist or as a client to make sure you're taking that time out for yourself because it's important. You need that. Mm-hmm. It's, all, it's all about balance. 
Okay, yes. I need a balance in life. <laughs> yes. And um, why would you recommend therapy for people like you and I, for people of color like us? Why is therapy so important for our community? Yeah, therapy is very important because we've gone through so much, whether if it's slavery, whether if it's getting things taken away from us. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a lot of like, what is it, transgenerational curses that a lot of uh, mm-hmm. people of color have experienced. Um mm-hmm. And so a lot of those things are still are embedded in our day-to-day uh, or daily um, re- or relationships or it's really like some things that we need to like take seriously because mm-hmm. everyone, especially like too, like morals and values and like beliefs and different things like that, you want to mm-hmm. be able to express yourself freely in a space. Yeah. You want to be mm-hmm. able to be heard. And sometimes even your own family member can't hear you or listen to you your friends mm-hmm. the best friends you want someone that's going to be there to actually help you through the process and understand the things that you're experiencing because those people around you may not be able to understand or or, or help you through those things in a, in a very like healthy supportive way so mm-hmm. therapy i recommend it because like i said people of color we deal with so much like mm-hmm. a lot even when this comes like ptsd is like one of the biggest things especially yeah. like from the hood like being mm-hmm. shot at or experiencing killing somebody or getting shot at from like police officers and even in the um Hispanic communities too, like they experience those things as well. Um mm-hmm. I don't know. I just feel like it's very essential to incorporate the, the therapy in 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 your life, especially if mm-hmm. you are dealing with a lot of mental conditions or depression, PTSD, um, anxiety. Hell, mm-hmm. like anxiety is really big. So Yeah. Yeah. It's super important. And I feel like that's just part of the things that comes with being a person of color. It's like that you have firsthand experience with trauma. You have firsthand experience with this anxiety about the color of your skin, about where you exist in the world, about whether or not you matter, you're important. And so I love that you mentioned that like therapy is important because Yes, it's amazing to have a community and to have your friends and your family or, you know, your organization that you're part of where people can, you know, see you for you. But sometimes you need someone outside of those circles that has a different lens and way of looking at some of the issues that have arise because they're not in too deep. And they are in a position where they can be honest with you and maybe give you feedback that these people too close to you haven't been able to do because they fear maybe losing you or making you feel sad or making you feel some type of way. And you don't want anyone that's going to, like, tell you what to do. It's too many opinions. You don't need too many opinions. And you Mm -hmm. want someone to not, you know, not be biased. Because everyone, of course, like, if they mean well, they're going to make you, they're going to want you to do the decision that they want you to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but you need to make those decisions on your own. And I think therapy gives you that space and that security to be able to like figure these things out on your, on your own, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. To and really sit with those feelings. Yeah. yeah. Sit with those feelings. And a lot of times, you know, in our relationships and friendships, um, of course you want to make that person who is like telling you that they feel you know sad or that they feel angry you want to make them feel better as soon as possible and the beautiful thing about therapy is that you know it's about sitting with those uncomfortable feelings it's about 
yeah, I would like for you to leave this therapy session and feel better, but it's not always going to happen. And that's part of the process because that's life. And sometimes we do have to hold, you know, these feelings and emotions with us and we're capable of processing them and still, you know, existing within our our communities too. Right. And therapy is supposed to be about, um, it's a non-judgment zone, like a Mm -hmm. a non-judgmental space. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's your time to talk freely, to to say whatever it is that's on your mind, to express yourself, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that Absolutely. time to do that, for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then always before getting off of here, uh, I want to know what is your self-care plug? Like, what is that thing that you love to do when you're stressed out or when you're feeling spent that just helps restore some of your lost energy and helps you kind of tackle your day-to-day stuff? For sure. So I have a couple of things. So mm-hmm. um, before COVID-19, I was doing like my, you know, my weekly, well, bi-weekly manicure and pedicure. Mm-hmm. And so since that's been like, um, what is it? It's just that can't happen right now. I done <laughs> bought me a dog on drill and like yes. all my equipment stuff <laughs> so I can get my own, <laughs> do my own thing. Um mm-hmm. Normally, I would be at the gym working out, but I just use my um, YouTube on my TV and just work out here. Mm-hmm. And then I also, too, like if I'm able to go to a spa or do a little vacation on the weekend, I do that. That's how I'm, you know, that's my self-care. And also, yeah. I like to talk. So I like to be around a lot of fr- uh, friends and stuff. Mm-hmm. I like doing like social gatherings. That's my that's my self-care, being around mm-hmm. people that I care about. Yeah. Yeah, so I know you've, it sounds like all of your things are like, uh, people oriented or being outside the home, but it's cool to see that you've been able to be creative and being like, uh, uh-uh, uh, you know what? I'm still gonna have my self care. I'm gonna create right. it myself. I'm not gonna rely on nobody exactly. else for my self care. But I think that's like a cool thing about you know COVID nineteen and this pandemic is uh, a lot of people are are realizing how they can be creative about getting their needs met. So like a lot of people who might be social people, they find themselves doing a lot more FaceTime or Zoom meetings and still being able to have those aspects. And I just love to see people being resourceful and not giving up and knowing that, hey, this is going to be <clears throat> one month, two weeks, uh, three months. Like we got to get creative to make sure that we're getting our needs met one way or another. Exactly. And I tell you every day that I include a different meal, like almost every other day I have a new recipe mm-hmm. and I'm happy about that because I, I can use like, I haven't had like appliances like boxed up for like years and I finally, <laughs> I'm finally able to use it and that's so sad. But it took for this to happen for me to break it out the box. I'm mm-hmm. happy about it too. <laughs> yeah. Well, that will conclude our show for today. Nina, thank you so much for for being here. And on short notice too, um, I have oh, been yeah. I've been struggling <laughs> to figure out how I want to get more people. And also, like I've been feeling <clears throat> unmotivated here and there with like whatever is going on out in the world in this schedule. And I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. You know, you like a sister to me, so I, I wanted to have you on the show, whether it was now or later on when you felt more comfortable, but uh, really enjoyed having you today. Yeah, I appreciate it. I've, it's actually, at first I was nervous, but I think mm-hmm. this is really well. 
Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I think that's like for people who are listening too. like if you are ever interested in being on the show, like send me an email at blackpeopletherapy at gmail.com. Find me on Twitter at black PPL therapy um, on Instagram at black people therapy. Like you can find me whatever way you want. Like and if you want to share your story, we can get you on here, especially now that we're not doing it in person. We're doing it over Skype. So like now is the time to be able to do that. But uh, what I was saying to that is that I know people think of like, and I was the same way, like, oh, I want this to be so perfect. I want to sound like this. I want to sound so smart. I want to sound like I got it all figured out. But the stories that we need to hear as a community are these stories about not being perfect and still being enough. And are these stories about like my life experience is so important and unique to who I am, but there are still things about that and aspects about that, that other people can connect to, especially when I'm being authentic and when I'm not trying to be someone that I'm not, or this perfect version of myself too. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Well, I thank you for showing up today as yourself, your authentic self. And, <laughs> I, and I think that'll be it for this episode. So everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, again, I mentioned those ways to be able to contact me. If you are interested in being on the show, let me know. If you are someone listening and maybe you don't want to be on the show, but you know someone else, let them know. Talk to them about this podcast. We are available on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on tons of other platforms that I don't even know because I use Anchor. <laughs> so, but anyway, <laughs> like if you if you enjoyed the show, please like it, please rate it, please spread it because these are conversations we need to have in our community. Yeah. All right, well, we're going to get out of here for today. Again, thank you so much, Nina. No problem. Thank you. Talk to you soon. All right. All right, everyone, be Bye. healthy and stay safe. Bye-bye. This concludes another session of Black People Go to Therapy 2. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Black People Therapy, Facebook at Black People Go to Therapy 2, and Twitter at Black PPL Therapy. Thanks.